Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to make any type of decision in regards to the NBA draft without knowing what's happening with these NBA seasons. The lottery gets chosen during the playoffs. The teams that don't make the playoffs will choose their picks. So we'll know the lottery probably regardless of what happens in the end of the regular post, uh, the end of the regular season. So we need definitive uh, confirmation of that before we can even finalize where these teams pick. The Sports Grid Network. Pharrell. Coast to coast. Is anything wrong with his arm? And I don't think there's anything wrong with this game. And 38 is way better than 43. In fact, if I bet my money, I'd say Philip Rivers has a better chance of being successful uh, in, in Indianapolis than I do Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is slower than my grandmother. And I mean to tell you, Father Time, don't lose to slow people. The slower you are, the more trouble you're in in the NFL. The Sports Grid Network. Game Time Decisions. The Masters should happen. Yeah, I agree. You know, so let's just say, okay, I think it happened. It's going to be really cool, though, Kev. There's going to be two Masters in a span of five months. So I'll ask you, do you think Tiger Woods wins one of the two of them? No, I don't. Uh, I thought what he did was uh, great last time. But Tiger Woods does something to people, Gabe. It's kind of like the old Wayne Gretzky factor or like when you're with greatness because they remember if it wasn't for Tiger Woods, the purses wouldn't be so big. The Sports Grid Network. Line up, ladies! The early line. The Dolphins are the most intriguing from the standpoint, Dane, that they've got 5, 18, and 26. They've also got 39 and 56 overall. It's still a calculation, because are you still willing to use yeah, kind of an elite-level pick? One other note on the two, a prop bet, Joe. At 3.5 right now, to go over 3.5, that's minus 195. The Sports Grid Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Daily Roto TV here on Sports Grid. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco from Daily Roto. And we are here to uh, continue our discussion of what is taking up most of our time these days, which is uh, a Dynasty Fantasy Football Auction League. Uh, over the last couple weeks on the show, we uh, we also talked about a startup draft we did that was a, a snake draft. And I have to say, I mean, the two activities... Chris, they don't even really compare. I mean, how much more intense is the auction than the the startup draft? Oh, it's significantly more intense, uh, I would say. It's uh, a lot of people that have, you know, a decent amount of experience in this draft um, coming from someone that basically has no experience in NFL auction drafts. Uh, it's been very intense, um, whether it's trying to outbid other people for the players you want, uh, or feeling like, you know, you there's like a good price tag on a guy, but you can't outbid because you don't have the money. Uh, it's definitely a very different experience than your typical snake draft sort of uh, uh, thing. For uh, for those of you who are, you know, you're stuck in quarantine, you're just you're you're hating life. You wish you wish you had something to do. You know, maybe you're maybe you're sick of watching uh csgo competitive maybe you're uh, you're not staying up until two o'clock in the morning to play competitive league of legends dfs uh this is like the number one thing i would tell you to do you know if you are in uh already a fantasy league with your buddies like i i have a i have a home league of buddies that i would absolutely love to do this with i don't know if if i would be able to convince them to do as extreme of a format as we are doing which is uh 12 team league 30 man rosters super flex tight end premium yardage bonuses all sorts of of absolutely crazy stuff but really i i could not encourage this format anymore ricky how have you been enjoying it so far 
Oh, it's been mental warfare. I don't know if you can describe it as anything other than that. Is that, you know, you could feel good about a player with two hours left to go, but these are like 16-hour uh, periods on these players. So you really have to grind the last like half hour just, you know, watching the refreshes to make sure someone doesn't outbid you. Because at least in my case, that's happened on multiple occasions. And you kind of have to, you know, it's not just how much have you bid on the player, it's how high are you willing to go. Because if someone bids late, you can set a proxy bid like above your bid at the current moment that won't reset the clock on a player. And I've tilted a few times where I've been at my top bid and then someone has outbid me. And then just out of spite, I've been like, you know what? I'm getting this player. Like you're not doing this to me. And that <laughs> mindset kicks in and you go an extra buck on the player and you're like, damn, I am an idiot. I should have just set a few extra bucks. Uh, and you know, I wouldn't have to wait this 16 hour period again. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, the, the mindset and your, your temperament can actually change how you feel about a player at any given second. Yeah, and so the the basic rules are you can't nominate more than five. You can't have more than five players nominated at any time, essentially, uh, which I think is is a good rule. I actually think maybe the the draft would be a little bit more interesting had we limited that to three. I think it would have made the draft longer. But what we're seeing, what you're seeing when you can have, uh, you know, whatever five times 12 is, a lot of players out. You know, if you have Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, the 101, Patrick Mahomes, like if you have all of those guys out there for nomination all at once, that's a very, it's a hard situation to, you know, allocate your money. And, and what we've seen is there have been some really cheap prices uh, simply because people have not been able to distribute their money properly, Ricky. Yeah, it's a matter of, like, you're winning so many bids at a time that you have to keep salary just in case you happen to win all of them. So you can't bid on every single player on the board because you just don't have enough money to be winning every single player on the board. So it's not only looking at the board and deciding, you know, which guys you like. You have to prioritize them because you can only have so many. And when there's 70 players out there at once, there are definitely some that slip through the cracks, especially I've noticed the ones whose bids end at nighttime. Uh, I know Pacheco likes to stay up late, but a lot of the league seems to go to bed by like 1 a.m. Uh, so those that, you know, you if you go to bed at 1 a.m. and you're winning a bid, you're more likely to win it than if you're winning it at 9 a.m. and it expires at 10 a.m. So there, that's kind of been a weird uh, aspect to it as well. I, th I think that there have been... Well, okay, so a great thing about auctions is that ADP kind of applies, but it doesn't really mm -hmm. because, you know, guys that are valued really similarly in snake draft formats, in, you know, regular formats where it's all tied to a draft pick, I mean, things can swing pretty wildly. Like, so, for example, Devontae Adams and DJ Moore have a pretty wide split in ADP, you know, basically a full round in between those guys. And, you know, they went for essentially the same price. DJ Moore for $47, Devontae Adams for 50 But then Kenny Galladay, who goes, you know, again, six, seven, eight picks after those guys, he went for $33 in this. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so there's just uh, Pacheco. I just think that there is the the auction dynamics are, are just fascinating to me. I, I absolutely love this activity. Um, how have you felt about your strategy thus far, Pacheco? You know, kind of what was your strategy yeah. going into it, and how do you feel that your strategy has worked so far? Sure, sure. So I would say very early I was trying to be just kind of a silent player, like just not do anything for a couple of days um, and just trying to see what people were doing, you know, all things considered, this is my first NFL auction draft. So it was a little bit overwhelming at first. So part of me just trying to sit and watch was part of that situation. Um, the other is just trying to see how much funds people were going to have once some of these players started to come off the board. Um, so that was definitely part of my strategy to then, you know, by day three-ish, try to come in and, and potentially get some bids on guys um, that were looking 
good and potentially undervalued, um, which ended up being the case on some pieces uh, of my roster. Yesterday on yesterday's show, we were talking about me potentially getting Dak in the 40s. I ended up getting him at 50, which I still thought was a, a pretty good price. Um, all in all, Davis, I would say, you know, I have six players right now. I, I really like all of them. Um, challenge is now I am under $100 on a budget that's, you know, 300 bucks. Um, so I feel like the, you know, the draft is just really getting started for me because with six, seven players that I have on my roster and this amount of money, now it's when I, I, I'm really going to have to shine with a limited amount of, uh, of dollars. Yeah. And, and that is, um, you know, I think my original strategy heading into this draft was I, I kind of planned on just trying to do a, a balance strategy. Um, and then I, I kind of just saw a loop, not a loophole. I, I thought that the way that this draft was going to go with how much people were already bidding mm -hmm. on the first round draft picks is I, I saw a, an avenue where a lot of money was going to be leaving the room really quickly because we saw huge bids on the first day on all the first round picks, huge bids on Lamar Jackson. Um, I made, I think I have the most expensive player in the draft in Patrick. Oh no. Christian McCaffrey went for 88 mm -hmm. and I spent 80 out of 300 on Patrick Mahomes. So what I did is I, I have punted the next two years basically entirely. So I traded away, I think $49 of my auction money to acquire a 2021 first, uh, from Leone and his partner. And then I got a second and third round pick from another player for 2021. And then I acquired the entire 2022 draft from Michael Leone for 20 or from Amico for 23 draft dollars. So basically I traded away a bunch of future value uh, in order to go or I traded away a bunch of present day auction value in order to basically just have a total rebuild. So my, my strategy right now is I, I am going to acquire no one over the age of 25, uh, really, really, hopefully no one even over the age of 24. That way they might have some possible utility when I, uh, you know, when I'm finally able to draft some players that are good in sure. 2022. Now, the the problem with that is you, you got to pick the players like in the drafts, you got to pick the players. So I might have gotten a ton of you know, future utility with these picks, Ricky. But if I just suck, if I suck at rookie drafting, like I'll, I'll never compete in this league. It'll be 10 years before I'm able to put together a competitive roster in this league. Oh, I'm the extreme, the other side of you. And I, I think everyone pretty much knew going to this draft that's been in a draft with me before. Stars and scrubs is just the way I go. Uh, I don't have extreme patience. Plus, I just think that at some point in these auction drafts, the teams with money start spending on guys who I just don't have too much interest. You know, we're talking about like the 60th overall player starts going for money just because there's a few teams fighting to get that player. And right. to me, that's not overly interesting. I would rather have multiple first rounders and get dollar players that, that, that aren't too much different from that spot. So I was going anything under 90 on Christian McCaffrey, which... You know, I should have had him for less had I known the rules. We, we talked about that on yesterday's show. I didn't set a high enough proxy bid. Uh, and one of the league mates came in with like a half hour to go and outbid me on a 79 bid for Christian McCaffrey. I ended up having to spend eight more dollars to get him. Uh, so that cost me a bit of money. But I ended up with him and Devontae Adams, and I traded all my future picks. Like, the only picks I have left are a 2021 third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Uh, I traded my first and second next year in my entire 2022 draft to get more bid dollars. And, I mean, I basically knew going Christian McCaffrey, I was going to have to save money. I made the decision that I was playing for now, so I was just going to take old quarterbacks. And I thought they went for a pretty decent value. I got yeah, both I, my quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I thought you got really good prices on both yeah and Ben Roethlisberger and if I was trying to execute your strategy those would probably be the two dudes that I would go for because if both of those guys stay healthy for the entirety of the 2020 season I would say they're basically locked in to top 12 finishes at quarterback probably yeah that was exactly my thought process is okay, I think that these young quarterbacks are going to go for a lot of money. I'm going to have to save money somewhere. I want to build at skill positions, so just give me the value quarterbacks. And, and I think I did it pretty well. Uh, I'd like a third quarterback at some point. I just don't know if that's going to happen with the money I have left. Yeah, uh, so 
you know, it, it's it's sort of interesting that in the first startup draft that we did, Pacheco was the team that got McCaffrey and was you know, not not forced, but essentially did go you know a much more win now strategy. Um, so Pacheco, you're you're kind of in the middle now. You have Tom Brady, but you also have you know some younger players who I think are just just really strong overall. You know, you're you, I don't think that you are forced with Dak, Godwin, Lockett. Higby, Kelsey. Now it's it's more of a win now strategy, but I think that you could, you know, certainly in season during our trading window, if you wanted to trade Travis Kelsey for, you know, uh, a first round pick and, uh, you know, some young player that you like, I don't think you'd have a problem doing that. So, what do you, what do, you, what have you enjoyed more? Have you enjoyed the the more relaxed strategy of just taking where the values come, or is it? I, I kind of think it's fun to try and win in year one because they're the the players that you're interested in are so obvious when you're trying to win in yeah. year one, specifically this year. And, you know, it's going to be different every single year in Dynasty, but with but with, you know, just kind of the way it works. This year is a super interesting win now year. Yeah, so I, I think it's uh, I think what I'm trying to do here is potentially set myself up to win now and also be competitive for the future. And as you mentioned, you know, have some flexibility as far as potentially shipping someone like Travis Kelsey away um, later on, that would not make me as competitive uh, for this year, but it, it does give me flexibility. But this, this I would say has been my favorite, um, my favorite strategy uh, thus far. In our uh, original draft uh, before this auction one, um, definitely a win now mode, uh, as you mentioned, and I I had no questions about that. And this one, I do have someone like Tom Brady, but I definitely have uh, more younger dudes. In uh, my plan is to continue to attack those younger dudes, uh, and hopefully I get some good prices. Like for example, on Tyler Lockett, I was able to secure him for for twenty one dollars. Uh, granted, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that much more uh, given my my salary situation. Um, but the, my plan of trying to be competitive now, but also in the future is something that I'm trying to strike. And it's not often that I do that. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you think Ricky about, you know, kind of what your strategy was in the snake draft startup versus what it's like now? Uh, I mean, I drafted young backs because they fell in that other format. Uh, I mean, I think everyone was so wide receiver gung-ho in that league that where my draft spot was, it was either, you know, the take the depleted receivers or take the guys at running back who probably should have been taken. And so I have this core of young backs in that league where I wasn't exactly sure where to go. Uh, I'm kind of middling that league, like Pacheco's middling this one, where I realized towards round like double-digit rounds that I probably could be competitive. So I started drafting some older guys late as opposed to taking some shots on, you know, very long shot young guys who didn't do much year one, could have a step up and roll year two. I didn't really take that approach. I went with, okay, let me just win now later, even though early I was on the, I could go either way plan. So that draft, I completely middled. I felt like I needed a clear strategy in this one. And I definitely took that. I said, you know what? I'm going to try and win this year. I know there's other teams that are trying a similar strategy. Like Leone's team looks pretty decent so far. Um, trying a similar strategy. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the route that Amico and Dink are going to go as well. We haven't really seen them make that move yet. But, I mean, I have two first-rounders, which is exactly what I want to do. I have old quarterbacks who I think should be pretty good. So I just got to fill in some holes now. I I, I also think what is, um, what is very interesting in these drafts is the effect that extreme strategies have on the room. So... I, I am going the extreme strategy of like, if, if a guy's over 25, I mean, maybe I would bid on like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston, a guy like that who could have, you know, some kind of like greater value in the future based off of change of circumstances and I could trade him for more. But I'm I'm more interested, I, I would say, in guys who are going to be valuable like four years from now, whereas there are other teams like Leone's team, um, like Amico's team that are trading away their future drafts and it makes no sense for them to try and middle it. They have to try and be good right now or those moves will have been wasted. And I just think, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that you do not see. You 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 just do not see that as much in um, 
you, you, you don't see that in a snake draft because those those things are not demarcated as clearly, Ricky. Yeah, the thing about a snake draft is that, like, you could be looking for a position and there could be a clear drop-off, uh, and a guy gets taken right before you and you're just like, whatever, this guy's the next on my cheat sheet, I'm going to take him. But that the value of players is weighted so, so much more heavily in this, where if there's a tier drop-off, you see that in pricing in auction. So it's a completely different ball game, and it really just takes two to tango in auctions, which is what makes them so fun. I thought, you know, most leagues I would be getting Mike Gesicki for low teens, but everyone knew I loved Mike Gesicki, and there were some other people out there. I think Amico was definitely one of them who really liked him, and I ended up spending slightly more on him than Noah Fant went for. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about specific player values and some more strategy when we get back from break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. Pharrell. Coast to coast! And when people are in desperate times and desperate measures with the Pharrell-demic going on in the virus, who do they turn to? Not Dr. Fauci. They turn to Adam Rank because he knows more than everyone else about football. Such a glowing introduction, and I gotta say it's probably not deserved. I think there's at least four people smarter than me, you being one of them, but I appreciated uh, being on the bench with you. The Sports Grid Network. Game time decisions. I was watching CNN over the weekend. Man, they were harassing 10 people who were going into a church. There's only like a loud 10 oh, gathering, and like they're like, I think there's more than 10 people. Go to Doc Prescott's house. He's got like 30 chicks. And they had a Louisiana church service. The pastor's like, I'm not letting Satan and coronavirus stop us. Okay, bud. Great idea. I'm sure God likes that. The level of irresponsibility, buddy, is just, it's, it's beyond stupid. The Sports Grid Network. Fantasy Sports Today. You've been in a lot of mock drafts. They've got McKinney, who is the best safety, I think, uh, on top of everyone's list. Uh, last year alone, guys, he had 95 tackles, three sacks, four forced fumbles, three interceptions. He returned one for a touchdown, 85 yards. He is, without a doubt, the best safety in this class. There is some question if whether or not he is first-round talent, and if he is, he's going to be in the bottom in the half, or is he going to be top of day number two? The Sports Grid Network. Morning after. The Patriots are one of those teams that they draft someone, they think we're going to mold him into who we want. He kind of knows our system. He's been here. We don't have to worry. We know what we're getting. That's what the Patriots do remind me of. Well, they did uh, pick up uh, Brian Hoyer. So they have an experienced backup, and that's, you know, he'll be the backup, obviously. I I think Jared Stidham's going to be the guy, at least in the early part of the season. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on Daily Roto TV on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue to break down Dynasty Fantasy Football Auction Strategy. Because, you know what, as I was, uh, you know, roaming around the Internet looking for some some advice, looking for some player values, what I found is like there's there's auction strategy for redraft football for sure auction strategy for baseball but like the resources out there Ricky for dynasty auctions I got to say not really a ton out there it's funny I think we all googled the same list and used the list for about 5 seconds until we realized we hated the list and ditched it uh so we won't say you know we won't say the name but Basically, it wasn't applicable uh, after a few picks because every auction is so unique and you end up developing needs. And at different times in the draft, there are drastically different prices. So like a Tyler Lockett, because everyone had so much bid money out there, snuck through for 21. But because everyone, you know, was trying to get different players with literally 65, 70 other options, Mm -hmm. there's the ability for a guy to sneak through. And there are still some good players who have not been tossed. If we wait a few days, all of a sudden, like 15 bucks is going to become a lot for Mm -hmm. a player being tossed because of the, the, you know, money that people have left. So the things that, you know, lists don't give you is context and you need context in auctions, whether it's a slow one or a fast one, you have to be able to adjust to know, you know, how much money your opponents have, how much money you have and how much you're willing to spend on a position. And if this guy is an all in guy for you, it's just stuff you have to think of mentally that a list legitimately just cannot tell you. And I think that's kind of a nuance to auction that takes getting used to. 
Yeah, and I, I also have to say, you know, after after doing this auction, it's going to be, I'm going to be much less inclined to join startup dynasties in the future that are not auction based. You know, that are that are snake draft based because I just I I love the. I love the absolute freedom that the I love the absolute freedom that this draft has done. And, you know, I, I wanna do another one in which I, I try and draft a team like yours, Ricky, that tries to win right away. Cause this league is gonna be absolutely miserable for me to check in on for the next few years. So just so the listeners know, my, my this is what my roster is. Uh I've traded away, you know, as mentioned, forty-nine dollars of my my auction bid to begin with. I spent $80 of that on Patrick Mahomes. I spent another $42 of my $300 on the 101 in the rookie draft, which is going to be likely Jonathan Taylor, maybe DeAndre Swift if he's drafted by the Chiefs or the Packers or something crazy like that, but very likely going to be Jonathan Taylor. And then just, just, oh, and then Noah Fant for $19 and then literally just $1 guys after that. And it's going to be, it's going to be terrible to to check in on this league and I just I'm gonna really I really have to hope that the 2020 college football season happens because my 2021 picks are not going to be worth very much if we do not have any data on these incoming college guys I was so shocked to see you trading for 2021 after you've gone on this broadcast many a time saying how the 2021 picks are devalued and all of a sudden look at you you were offering me live on air for my 2021 picks and I was going off the assumption that you were giving is that the 2021 picks are in trouble if there's no college football season because it's going to be tough to analyze them. So that's why I sold it for cheap. And uh, I was—I I must say, I think of all the strategies, I was shocked the most to see you buying 2021 drafts. I expected 2022 if you were playing for the future, but all those 2021 picks, that was shocking. The the range of outcomes on those 2021 picks is so wide. Um, you know, if there if there if there is a season, uh, and like so so, I think another thing that we talked about in our Slack channel was, you know college football is going to happen and it could happen from January to April or whatever, but they're going to play those games. They can't, those colleges really can't afford to miss out on that revenue. So I think there's going to be games, but there is a scenario Pacheco where we have college football games, but we don't have NFL games. So I think a really interesting question is what do you think happens to these 2021 or these 2020 rookies, CD lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Burrow, Tua, you know, what do we think happens to those guys' fantasy football value if we don't see them play in 2020 at all? I mean, it's it's going to stink for the people that have them for, uh, for this yes. season, and, and we're kind of banking on that. Um, I mean, if there is no NFL and there is college football, that would really be wild stuff because I, I, would, I would have thought it was reversed, but I, I understand – uh, your line of thinking, uh, Davis. It's just going to be really interesting to see the people that have those players um, in their drafts. It's going to be a real struggle. Um, speaking to what Ricky was saying earlier for the players remaining, I think that is the most fascinating thing right now in our draft. I was just looking at some of the players remaining and some of the wide receivers here. I mean, Amari Cooper is still around, which yesterday I actually bid on Michael Gallup, uh, and I did that on purpose instead of doing Amari Cooper, just to see, just to get a feel for where people were on Gallup, and now I believe he's up to close to 20 bucks. Um, you know, someone like Leonard Fournette was bid for like 13 bucks, and I honestly, I don't even know if someone's going to outbid that very heavily. Um, you know, what is Cooper going to go for? What is someone like, uh, like Devontae Parker who's still out there and is a young player uh, who broke out last year, you know, what is he going to go for? Um, there's the other dynamic of, of having someone like Will Fuller, um, who I know you like, Davis. I mean, that that, that could easily be a, a single digits guy. On, no, on the I, I will tell you, I will tell you that with this room of players, Pacheco, there is a 0% chance that Will Fuller is a single dollars guy. I know that I really like him. Dink really likes him. Sean Siegel from Rotoviz really likes him. It's just, it's just going to be a scenario. Uh, it's just definitely going to be a scenario where Will Fuller goes for, you know, I, I think, uh, I think a pretty decent chunk. Um, you know, Ricky, is there anyone out there that you're sitting there watching that you think, you know, uh, I, I like, you know, obviously we all have different strategies. I, I will, I will say right now, the guys that I'm really hoping to get are, you know, a few of Fuller, McCole Hardman, 
uh, DJ Shark. Like, I need, you know, a, a mid-20s wide receiver who's decent enough that I can flip him if need be, but, you know, could be a guy that starts for me in 2022, basically. Uh, anyone who's about to file for AARP is of interest to me because I think right. they're, go they're going for a discount, first of all, and I don't have too much money left. Uh, but I'm playing to win now, so I'm trying to find guys at the end of their prime, just give me one more year and give it to me cheap, which isn't going to be a value to a lot of teams. And I think it shouldn't be a value to a lot of teams. But for me, needing to fill spots, I'm just looking for value at this point. I'm pretty much done spending. I mean, after Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams, I think I was at like 138 between the two of them. Yeah, 88 and 50 um, of 300 budget so it just left me pretty thin especially after i bought a first round pick so now i just gotta you know do the best with what's available and i'm not going to overspend on any one player so i'm just going for for old players which it feels weird in a dynasty but i'm playing for this year and i'm all in so uh i think we should talk about some you know specific player values guys that are you know maybe going a little bit too cheap in these auctions because i think that there are going to be some people who definitely are uh, you know, interested in playing in auction format. So, you know, a couple guys that I noticed who just the market seems to be not as jazzed about them as their upside could could maybe contend. I thought Stefan Diggs went really cheap, Pacheco. He went for $26, which is, you know, less than Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought I thought Aaron Jones went for an absurdly cheap price, Ricky. Aaron Jones is, you know, first round pick in redraft leagues, he went for $32. That's like mm -hmm. a 20% discount relative to some of the other first round picks. I mean, guys in these leagues just don't like running backs. It's become, yes. blat it's become blatantly obvious to me, which it kind of makes me regret in a little sense, you know, Christian McCaffrey seeing the running backs I could have racked up yeah. uh, for Christian McCaffrey. But I mean, because I spent so much on Christian McCaffrey, I went some other value backs and it made me feel better because now I've got three backs and the average price of them was, is probably similar to going, you know, three $35 backs. So, I mean, it's just a matter of running backs are not going to go for a lot other than Christian McCaffrey, other than there might have been one other. I think uh, Camaro went close to 50. I know Zeke mm -hmm. didn't even go for 50. Um, but it's just very few backs that people care about, uh, knowing the lifespan of backs compared to wide receivers. But we've talked about this. It's relative to the position, their lifespan, because you still need to start running backs. You can't just draft all backups within the hopes that, you know, the starters get hurt. Uh, you're going to have nothing for at least the first few weeks until those injuries start to happen at the very best case scenario. So you need to draft some of these guys. They don't go very expensive. So it makes sense why the field would prioritize receivers if you think you're going to get a bunch of cheap backs. But at the same time, if you load up on backs and they're all great values and you're just playing for a year and you only have a short lifespan with these guys, that could be an interesting strategy as well. So Aaron Jones, way too cheap. I thought Kenyon Drake was way too cheap. I thought just about every running back that's come off the board has been way too cheap other than McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, I will say that if you are willing to accept that these guys are just going to have a shorter window where they have, you know, great trade equity, like it's just it is it's just true that, you know, Kenyon Drake in two years, he's probably not going to be a starting running back. I mean, maybe he will be, but the odds probably aren't. However, as long as he is starting, you know, that's going to be a guy that you are, you know, you're going to get. I mean, 200 PPR points a year, probably as long as he is playing in this Arizona offense. Like, I think I think that is, um, you know, pretty reasonable. So, you know, Pacheco, I, I think that there is some value in these league formats and just being like, you know what, I'm jamming in running backs because relative mm -hmm. to what they should cost, if you're just breaking out the math of, you know, how many points are they going to score in the near term? Because also projecting points scored four years from now, like, who knows? Like who? Like literally, who knows what the NFL will be like four years from now? There could be rule changes. There could be, you know, just all sorts of different stuff that happens. So Pacheco, I I think that again, if you just wanted to come in this draft and and load up on, we saw Lamarca do this in the startup. He got he took Zeke, mm -hmm. Fournette, and Derrick Henry and got like a full. Other than Zeke, he got basically a full round discount on all of them. His team's gonna score a bunch of points with that strategy. 
No doubt about it. Um, I, I realize that running back is a position that that just it's a lot of you know guys coming in and out, um, and not exactly you know locked in roles. There's a lot of injuries, so I definitely get it from that perspective. But I, I'm looking at some of these running back prices as Ricky was was mentioning. It's kind of absurd. Um, again, Leonard Fournette is right now the highest bidder is at 13 bucks. Uh, on him. I don't think that's going to end up being the case, of course. I, I don't I, think Leonard Fournette in this auction, I legitimately do not believe he will go for more than like 25. I think that's I like agree. the. I think this room is just like, we're not spending any money on no. Leonard Fournette. I I'm I would I would actually be a little bit surprised if it gets to 25. I could see it being just in the in the low 20s, um, which, yeah, given everything, is it is a little bit surprising. I have Joe Mixon right now at 32, which is, I believe, the same price tag that Aaron Jones went. And, what I mean, Davis, what do you think for the same price, Joe Mixon or Aaron Jones? It's probably a very close one, but still, for low $30 dollars to get I this think, sort of backfield nice. I think I would take Joe Mixon because I think there is some hidden upside that the Bengals just become this amazing offense that Joe Burrow just, you know, absolutely crushes it. Um, you know, he comes in and he is like not not as good as Patrick Mahomes, but maybe has like that sort of influence on that offense to just yeah. where it, it seems it just is absurd how many points they're scoring. You know, maybe he throws to, like uh, he threw to Clyde Edwards Hilaire a ton mm -hmm. in college. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, why why couldn't he throw to Clyde Edwards Hilaire or uh, to Joe Mixon in the NFL? Like, I, I think Mixon is a guy who definitely got underrated in this draft. Pacheco. No doubt about it. And so that was my decision uh, late last night where I, I realized that Aaron Jones was going to come off the board uh, very soon. And he was going at a really good price. But I had already made my bid on on Mixon. Um, I mean, and if I if I got both for this price, it would have been incredible. But yet again, I would have been left over with no money. So back to what Ricky was saying earlier, you have to prioritize these things. You can't go for everyone. So at that point, I had to decide between Mixon and Aaron Jones, and I pretty much went with Mixon for the reasons that you're mentioning, Davis. Yeah. What are, what are some of the prices that have really stuck out to you, Ricky? They're the one, the one for me that I thought was just an insanely good buy was Kyler Murray for 57 when Mahomes went for 80 and, um, uh, Lamar went for, I think, 73. Yeah. Yeah, I would have rather had Kyler for 57 than McCaffrey for 88, to be quite honest. I just saw the, the quarterback prices early with Lamar and Mahomes, and I thought that was going to be the case moving forward, is that a young quarterback like Kyler was then going to go for 65, 70 as well, and I won McCaffrey, and then Kyler did not go for a ton of money. So I, I was kicking myself a little bit for that one. Um, some of the other prices that stood out, I mean, most of them are bad, the ones that I can remember. Uh, some of these tight end prices, you know, Travis Kelsey going for significantly less than uh, George Kittle and Mark Andrews going around that price. That was interesting to me. Uh, Nick Foles going for double digits. I, di I didn't think there was any chance in hell that I was not going to get him at my $8 bid. And he ends up going for double digits. And now the guy who has him won't trade him to me as a third quarterback. Um, there's There's been some interesting ones for sure. I think the receivers have mostly been the the predictable ones, to be honest. Uh, like Lockett slid through there. DJ Metcalf was under 30 bucks, which I was shocked at considering his age. But most of the receivers we've seen go for upper 30s to 40s, uh, and that's been pretty predictable to me. So it's basically been every position other than receiver that I've had to raise my eyebrow at. Yeah, uh, which is, you know, it is it is just always interesting. It, I mean, real quick, Pacheco, were there any that stood out to you as just being, like, crazy? I, I, I thought that the, the Kyler one was clearly the most absurd also you know i think that um there was there was oh right so right now austin eckler is on board yeah uh, for 24 dollars. like i i think he should be like a 30 dollar buy probably i'm in agreement with that if he goes at 24 i would be um somewhat surprised but yet again you're starting to see the room being left with very little money and you you understand why uh this is happening at least for me on guys that are on my team uh and I'm sorry to cherry pick, but I was just very surprised to see Tyler Lockett go at 21, see Travis Kelsey go, you know, under under 40 
I just didn't think, given what what George Kittle went for, which was nearly 50, that I'd all of a sudden get Kelsey for 38. Yep. All right, everyone, we're going to head to break real quick. Line up, ladies! The early line. Uh, we also learned from the NBA, too, and I forgot to mention this last hour, Dane, is that trainers, players, teams saying we need a month to get back into shape. Trainers and guys are saying we can't drop these guys into a court somewhere and be like, here you go. You can't, you know, just drop them in. If you do, imagine the amount of groin pulls, hamstring pulls. The Sports Grid Network. Fantasy Sports Today. The NFL has invited three Georgia players the first night in the virtual draft to be a part of the show. I think there's going to be a possibility of Georgia having the single most draft picks um, of anybody, of any school this year. One through seven, I think there's going to be at least ten guys um, drafted from Georgia. The Sports Grid Network. Game time decisions. The National Hockey League, it was a good year this year, wasn't it? This year, it it really had a fun vibe to it, the National Hockey League. Things were going well for them over the last couple of years. The level of competition on a nightly basis is great in that league. I mean, many of us were looking forward to the the Battle of Alberta resuming in the playoffs. I mean, we were were on pace for something like that. So, you know, that was something that, that, you know, I, I I hope we get to see. The Sports Grid Network. Pharrell. Coast to coast! I went uh, 18 holes with Arnold on a practice round before the 89 U.S. Senior Open at Ligonier. Interviewing one-on-one. I was in a golf cart with Arnold Palmer for an hour and a half. How great is that? And then I got to have Gary Player on my show. I mean, the only thing better than those two guys is David Dusick being a regular on my show now for over a decade. The Sports Grid Network. Final segment here on Daily Roto TV on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. We just went through a pretty, uh, pretty thorough discussion of dynasty fantasy football auction strategy, some of the different happenings that are going on in the startup league that we are doing right now. And in our final segment, we are going to transition over to some. NFL draft betting, specifically some of these first round specials available on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Ricky, you think that there is uh, probably some edge to be had here? I do. Um, you you got to look at some historical data for a bunch of these picks, but there's one that I specifically drafted or, or I hit pretty hard, and it's the quarterback position. And I usually don't hammer these heavy favorites, um, but looking at DraftKings Sportsbook, the over-under is four and a half quarterbacks in the first round, and we can go through by position. Uh, but the under is negative 455, which may seem like a lot until you look at the past 10 years of data. I'll go starting from 2010 and tell you how many quarterbacks were drafted in the first round. Two, four, four, one, three, two, three, three, five, three. Now, there's one year where there was five, so it's so it hit the over one of the last ten years. But that was the Lamar, that was the Lamar, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, it's, like cra- like Josh Rosen, crazy year. And Lamar just snuck in. He was the 32nd pick in the first <laughs> round, so it almost was four if he fell another pick. The average during that sample is 3.0 quarterbacks drafted in the first round in most years. I know we're seeing a lot of mocks where, like, Jordan Love sneaks in there, and then people are wondering, are we going to get Jalen Hurts or one of the other guys, you know, sneaking in there? And I just don't think that's going to be the case in a class with, you know, a ton of cornerbacks, a class that's a historic wide receiver class. Uh, I think the under here is a virtual lock. I feel very good about this bet. I am fine laying 455. I think it's probably closer to a minus 1,000 favorite. So uh, I will I will tell you why I think that this is such a solid bet. Not only not only do I uh, do I agree with you to begin with, but I also think that um, Tua started out looking like a guy who was just a stone cold lock to go in the first round. And now we're hearing all of this reporting about bad medicals. You know, there are teams maybe that don't want to draft him. Maybe he slides all the way to the Patriots. Maybe he slides out of the first round entirely. And, 
you know, I don't know if that's true. I'm not, you know, I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not, uh, you know, Ian Rappaport, whatever. I don't have these sources. But I think once you start hearing that stuff, I mean, we've seen bad medicals ruin quarterbacks who were supposed to go first overall. Like, true. we've like medicals on a quarterback will just completely submarine these guys. So I, I think that the most likely scenario, Pacheco, is we get three quarterbacks that go in the first round. I think that we're going to get Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and Joe Burrow. And then I, I think Tua is probable, but not like a certainty. So I think the, the right wow. number, if I was projecting this, would be like I'd, I would probably set this line at three and a half if I was the DraftKings Sportsbook and then yeah. just reverse the odds. Where I, where I would make the under, the dog, and the over, the favorite, and, and just book it that way if I was trying to set the true odds. It would be really something if Jordan Love goes before Tua does. I think it's going to happen. I, I, I realistically think that this is something that's going to happen. I think I think that the Dolphins are the team that is, you know, really heavily linked to Tua. And I think that they are going to be scared enough of, you know, putting their rebuilding plan on Tua's injured hip that, I, you know, I, I think it just, and it, it, it would obviously not be fun for Tua, but I think this is something that could happen. So you're telling me that if the Patriots are sitting there at 23, they'd select someone like Jordan Love over Tua. I think if the Patriots are sitting there at 23, I think Pacheco, I think they take Jalen Hurts. I, I, I would think so, too. I, I, think that, I, I think that the way that that organization works, I think they would prefer Jalen Hurts to Tua. Okay, so that, that would make a lot of sense to me, but I, I, I don't know. Well, I'm struggling yeah, with... Okay, I'm, let, me, let me walk that back. I think yeah, they yeah. prefer... I think they would prefer a for sure clean yes. bill of yes. health yes. Jalen Hurts to an injured Tua because the Patriots have had all this horrible luck drafting mm-hmm. guys with uh, with injury problems. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Dobson, Sony Michelle, all these guys. It's it's always it's always been like that for uh, for sure. them. Sure, no, that makes uh, that makes a world of sense. I just I'm kind of struggling with the. You guys mentioned it was three quarterbacks that you thought were for sure going in the first round. Yeah. And I just, I, I, yeah, and I, I just see someone like Jalen Hurts being an easy fourth. Um, maybe that's just me, but given the, the need that some of these teams have, I've, I've struggled to see how just three quarterbacks go in the first round. I definitely could see... Jalen Hurts sneaking in there, or someone someone has to take a shot at Tua. Now, granted, I understand if it doesn't have to be in the first round, especially if all these concerns are legitimately true. Teams are going to be scared away uh, by that. Um, but man, that would that would be something insane, given the you know the type of prospect that Tua is, the type of numbers that he was putting up in, in Alabama. Um, it would be somewhat shocking. Now, granted, he has a legitimate injury, and I do understand that, but I feel like someone's going to take a shot. Maybe it happens in the second round and not the first, um, but still think, I still think in my mind it's going to be four quarterbacks instead of three. Yeah, I mean, four four is the right number. Five is the number where we start right. to say, uh, you know, you know, if we, th- if we think five is the average. So really, yeah. Ricky, if you, if you think that, Hertz is more likely to go in the first than the third or the fourth or whatever. This is actually a wager where you get killed long term. So it's it's your mm-hmm. you, the the opinion on this wager is all. Do you think Hertz? Do you think it's possibly goes in the first round? Yeah, my bet is that he does not. I think looking at historical drafts, he's more <laughs> likely a second round guy and. I'm willing That's to, where he's mocked most of the time is second round to like Pittsburgh and stuff like that. And I'm I'm betting that these teams that have needs are going to be smart and not overdraft a quarterback when at the end of the first round you're going to have some athletic freaks like LaVisca Chenault and you know some of those receivers. But I feel I still feel comfortable that under four and a half is the right play here because five just seems intense. And again, we've seen that one time over the course of the last decade, and that was a historically good quarterback class. And we're talking about a historically good wide receiver class. So I'm hoping that these teams see it that way and they prioritize these receivers. And if you have to, you know, trade up for Hertz at pick 33, go ahead. It's definitely, by the way. 
going to be a sweat for me. Like after yeah. the, the fourth guy comes off the board, like the final three picks of or whatever it is of the first round are going to be excruciating for how much money I have on this. I mean, I you, might... have, you, have a, you have a couple sweats. So like, yeah, I, I think that you are for sure getting your money in good. The way that I want to sweat the first round, though, is I want to make I, I like I think that the math is certainly on the side of just like laying these heavy juice uh, because it's just so unlikely that you lose. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of bets for first round, like Jedrick Wills to be the first offensive lineman drafted at plus 385 or CD Lamb over Judy at plus 185. Where like the like for me to have a profitable first round or or even you know first 50 picks or so, I only have to get like three things right. And and if, and if Jalen Hurts goes in the first round right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can get Jalen Hurts in the first round. I believe at plus 850. So like that that to me I think is such a good bet because it like you know and the thing you can tell yourself about draft betting is it only takes one team it only takes one team mm-hmm. to take tim tebow only takes one team to take josh jacobs you know whoever whoever it might be it only it only takes one team and and to me jalen is really the type of guy that like some team is going to talk themselves into well i think if you're trying to chase dogs the running back position in terms of the first round specials is the position to chase because the historical data is not on your side. Uh, the over-under is a half, and the under is the underdog. So the over is the favorite at minus 275 on DraftKings Sportsbook. You look over the course of the last 10 years, beginning in 2010, three running backs, one running back, three, then two back-to-back years of zero, two, one, two, three, one. So over a 10-year sample, there were only two years without a running back in the first round. That was 2013 and 2014. An average of 1.6 backs per first round during that span. But you look at these mock drafts, there's not a lot that have a running back in the first round. It's it's and, literally only to the Chiefs. Like you you yeah. own like no one mocks running backs and then they get to pick 32 and they're like, well, the Chiefs are really good and you know it doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem like they like love Damien or anything. So they just and and like uh so I actually in a, a different dynasty league that I'm in, yesterday I just traded a 2021 first round pick for Darwin Thompson and Damian Williams, so like the combo of those guys, you know, just really hoping that one of them is the dude for, uh, for Kansas city. So I, 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 I like the, I like the under on this bet, you know, just kind of regardless of the price plus plus two fifteen. And by the way, I'm of the belief that after the playoffs, the chiefs are going to stick with Damian Williams and, and go to different needs. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think they feel okay with the bunch they have at running back. I think that was sealed by the Deandre Washington signing. Uh, just giving them yeah. more depth at the running back position. I think to me that says they don't want to spend draft capital on a running back, which, like I said, if you're playing a dog between the quarterbacks and the running backs, I definitely prefer playing the dog at the running backs when you look at the mocks. The mocks do not you know, weigh out that over four and a half quarterbacks is likely, but under one half running back is a legitimately likely scenario. All right, so one of the wagers that I really like is um, over, uh, it's it's the safeties over, so it's over 1.5, which basically is just do you think Grant Delpit goes in the first round, um, or do you think that Grant Delpit can go before Xavier McKinney? I think the answer to both of those is yes. If you look at grinding the mocks, um, if you look at, you know, just kind of the average projected position of those guys, you you get a ton of mocks where both of them, go in the first round you get some mocks where Delpit uh you know goes ahead of McKinney so Ricky what does your historical data say about that one this is the most variant position from year to year this is just completely based on talent levels right going back to 2010 two safeties in 2010 zero the next two years so back-to-back years without it three in 2013 four in 2014 zero in 2015 two and 16, three and 2017, three and 2018, and zero safeties last year. So it's either in bunches or none at all. The average during the sample weighs out in your favor 1.7 safeties per first round during that span. Well, I am I am firmly in the camp of Grant Delpit first round pick. Um, I think that I think I just think he's awesome, and I think that there is certainly a non-zero chance that he goes ahead 
of Xavier McKinney, who is like a guy who started out, you know, being projected at 13, 14, 15th overall, and then has kind of slid in these mocks. And so another another bet that I like is Delpit to go ahead of McKinney. And on the DraftKings Sportsbook, you can get really good odds on that. I think you can get that now at uh, plus 350, maybe even maybe even plus 400. I know it's the odds on that have really shifted. So that's a that's a wager that I really like. Do you think there's correlation here? And I, I think the clear answer is yes. So I'm kind of just asking a rhetorical question that there's correlation between the under on quarterbacks and the over on safeties, because one of the late round picks is probably yes. going oh, to the second totally. safety. Yeah. So like, that's like a, you know, a team, a team that could maybe take Jalen hurts uh, or a team that would maybe want to take Jordan love and, you know, instead they decide, you know, I, I want to take Delp, but I think, I think those markets are correlated, and I think I think the wide receiver market would be correlated as well because that's the position. Like you know, I could see seven wide receivers going in the first round. I could see four wide receivers going in the first round. So I think those are are correlated markets for sure. Uh, these these books though, uh, the FanDuel DraftKings sportsbook, the points bet sportsbook, they're they well maybe FanDuel will let you parlay these. Actually, I know I know the general ruling from a sports book would be that you're not allowed to parlay these wagers well you don't have to parlay them you could bet them separately but in your mind consider them a parlay that just doesn't pay out as such just knowing that you have double value right yeah wait so davis i i actually had a question for you given that you that you don't think that Tua is uh potentially going to be a first round pick given all all the stuff i think he will go in the first round i think the most i think the most likely scenario is still the Dolphins either select him where they go or they trade up a slot or two to okay. select him, you know, and they give up an extra third round pick in the future to do it. But if he gets to that Dolphins selection, so if we get to the Dolphins pick and they either yeah. don't trade up or they pass on Tua, that means something is wrong. That means Tua's medicals came back poorly right. and that and that it's a real issue. And I, I, I don't want to speculate any further than that other than sure. that. It's not a possibility I was considering a week ago, but I am legitimately considering it now. Okay. Um, noted on that front. So, if, say a hypothetical, the Dolphins do pass up on him. You know, his medicals are, are just really bad. Couldn't overcome it. What then do they do at five? Because I, I think it was a lock for them to go to a... If Tua doesn't take- go, what do they do? Wills, Becton, Werfs, whoever. I think they just take the left tackle because that's a guy right. who can play for you for 15 years. If, it, if like if Jedrick Wills turns out to be as good as you know scouts think he will be, he's going to be the Dolphins' best player for a decade. So I, I so, so I agree, I agree with you. I, I, my thought process was they would then take an offensive lineman at five and then potentially just take you know a quarterback in the second round. Yeah, what if they, what if they, I mean, they have three picks in the first round. What if they're like, you know, we don't really care. We'll take Jordan Love at, uh, I think it's 21 is their Mm -hmm. last, or maybe 24 is their last pick in the first round. And then, okay, Jordan Love falls to us. We take Jordan Love there. We take Jalen Hurts there. We take Jake Fromm there or whoever. But I I think the, the noise now is starting to be real Ricky on Herbert going ahead of Tua. Yeah, I'm not the world's biggest Herbert fan, but because of the safety of his health compared to Tua, it would make sense that teams would not want to go all in on a guy with some serious hip concerns. Uh, Again, Dennis Pitt is the name that we keep bringing up, uh, that he just was nowhere near the same, didn't play a ton of games the two years after he injured that hip. I think he had like two or three touchdowns over a two-year span uh, after that hip injury occurred. I know Bo Jackson has talked about it, even though the hip injury was slightly different. There's a clear and present risk to Tua. We hope you guys all enjoyed Daily Roto TV, and we will be back tomorrow with uh, more content for everybody. Game Time Decisions. I don't know what you do on the side, how much you're getting paid. Sounds like baseball's looking for a place to play. I think you have enough uh, space in your backyard. Like, uh, will, will you let the baseball teams play in your backyard? I used to want to set up a wiffle ball field out there. If I was younger, put up a net out there and set up the field. My wife used to yell at me years ago because I used to uh, take out a uh, pitching wedge and used to pitch a uh, little, little golf out there. May have put one through a neighbor's window once. Neither <laughs> confirming nor denying. The Sports Grid Network. 
morning after. No pitchers and uh, pitching coaches and catchers are allowed to make mound visits? Well, that's going to make things very interesting. Pitchers are creatures of habit. That is going to make this, the pace of play very interesting. It could speed it up, but it also could greatly diminish uh, the effectiveness of some of these pitchers, especially the relief pitchers. Then we started going to the structure of the game. This plan does not make sense to me. Also, that they, they, they want to start next month? The Sports Grid Network. Line up, ladies! The early line. I mean, listen, let's be realistic. We'd all do anything right about now. And it's called America's Pastime for a reason here, guys. Uh, because it's always been there through world wars, through, I mean, you name it. It has pandemics. I mean, I would dare find somebody tell me that now. What they wouldn't do for a boring three and a half, four hour baseball game on television right now. The Sports Grid Network. Pharrell. Coast to coast. Gary Player was the guy who deserves the real title to, to bring athleticism into golf. Jack Nicklaus, when he came out in 59, 60, 61, 62, he's yoked. Jack hit the ball miles because he was such a great athlete. Gary Player had to overcome that. He's got to compete against that. And yeah, he, he is universally respected amongst his peers and even the players today for being the guy who brought athleticism to the game. The Sports Grid Network. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.